Well, good evening, friends. Bishop and the Moose with you here on Tuesday night. Uh, glad to spend a little time with you, hoping to encourage you with some uh, truths from God's Word. I'm the Bishop. I'm Barry Klingen, and I am joined by Kirk Moose, mooseministriesinc.com, and it is good to be with you this evening. It is so great to be back with you, Pastor Barry, and once again, welcome. We're so excited that you've decided to join us, and as you can see, we're going to be talking about resurrecting dead dreams. Has there been a time in your life, I know there's been times in mine, Pastor, and I'm sure there has been in yours, but has there been a time in your life where there's been a dream, a vision, something you felt that God put in your heart, or even a dream that you had that you just let it die? You felt like something in your life shifted, something changed, maybe the Lord took you a different direction, but you just went ahead and allowed that dream just to die, and now you don't know if it ever is going to come back. You know, Kirk, I believe everybody listening, if they've lived any time at all, know exactly what you just said, a time in their life where there was something you felt like you were supposed to do or wanted to do, and time and problems and all that stuff goes by, and all at once you wake up one day and you say, wow, I thought I'd be further along than this. I thought in my dream, I thought I'd be uh, seeing more happen by now. But uh, that's what happens. But the Bible has some specific things to teach us about that. And I, I have been so passionate about dreams my whole life, uh, teaching it, learning about it from a physiological perspective in our bodies when we dream at night, all the way, obviously, to the spiritual understanding of a dream like we think of oh, yeah. uh, that God gives us for our life. One, one thing, Kirk, that I have found is that people don't understand this very critical, important truth about every God-given dream. And it's this simple. Every God-given dream must die a human death. It has to come to a place where it's impossible. And where the mistake is made many times is through that difficulty that's a very necessary season, and it is going to happen to every dream that God gives. But sometimes people make the wrong decisions during that time and extend the period of death longer than it should be and don't experience the resurrection. And tonight we can talk about how you get those dreams out of the basement of your life, out of the graveyard, and shake off the dust and experience the resurrection power on that dream once again in your life. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the stories that really, well, it's not really a story. It's when you look back in history and look Mm -hmm. at the apostles, the apostle Peter, you know, he watched Jesus be crucified before him. But Jesus looked at him and said, hey, you're going to be the foundation stone. You're going to be the pinnacle point of all things, and Peter turns around and sees his Messiah crucified before him. And what what kind of death is that? Well, think of it. Compare that with what Jesus said. You're you're going to be the foundation. You're going to be the rock. The confession out of you that I am the Christ, the Son of the Living God. I'm giving you the keys. You know, and Peter starts seeing himself in glory. Uh, with with uh, the expectations they had of the Messiah, we, we know in the latter days that they definitely uh, in those that time period, I should say, that Jesus was ministering. That was their expectation because even after the resurrection, they were asking Jesus. Even after he taught them for forty days, they were asking him, "Is this the time you're going to set your kingdom up?" They were looking to rule in that way. They didn't understand what was going to take place. So for then all at once. Peter to have to go through seeing his Lord crucified and buried. You talking about a dead dream for three days there, three nights, they, everything was over for them. And then it was only after that, the teaching of Jesus. And then of course, the impartation of the Holy spirit on the day of Pentecost that transformed everything he saw. Now that 
I, it is a quick death to a dream. Many times it's not three days and three nights or 40 days of teaching. It's years sometimes, you know, many, many years, decades, that people see their dream dead and do not see a way to resurrect that dream and bring it back uh, to reality. And many of us have different types of dreams. Mm-hmm. Some of us have a self-dream. Yes. Like we desire to do a certain thing in our life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes God asks us to put those dreams to death. Yes. So that we can put, you know, pick up our cross and follow him. There's others that we have a God-given gift, mm-hmm. which he's planted that dream, that gift into our hearts. And there may be seasons that we walk through in our life to where we have to lay that down till we're ready. As there's no doubt. You think about Moses when... And uh, the, the Lord said, what's in your hand? And all he had was that stick. And he said, throw it down. But once it had been thrown down and then placed back in his hands, it was now supernatural stick. And it could, it could free a whole nation of slaves to, into freedom. I think that that point can't be said enough when we talk about that. You know, when we say it has to die, uh, every God-given dream has to die a natural oh, yeah. death. What, what I'm saying is there will come a time when there is no human way possible for you to achieve that dream God gave you. You'll run into such obstacles that you say, it's over. There's no way. And, you know, death is so final. We think that that's, it's just, that's it. There's no way I can see this come to pass. And we give the illustration of uh, Peter. Uh, the Old Testament illustration is uh, fantastic in the life of Jacob when he was older and he makes the son that he favors so much a coat of many colors, and he's obviously the favorite of all the boys and all of these things, and then all at once they come to him one day, and they say, look here, and you know the story of the Bible. I don't have to retell the whole story, but they had were so jealous of him, they made it look like he had been killed, and they put an animal's blood on that coat of many colors, sold Joseph off into slavery to Egypt, never to see him again, they didn't think, and then they bring their dad that blood-soaked, you know, favorite robe. And he looked at it, and he said, surely my son is dead. Here's the problem. His son was still alive, very much alive. And that's a really key point. Here's what happens. uh, He'd been lied to, and he believed the lie. He believed the lie that his son was dead. And I think that's where the beginning of a a dead dream is. You get faced with it. And it's easy to talk about it, but when you get in that position where, I mean, you lose your job or – uh, someone attacks you, or you know, someone dies that was close to you, or you know, these major life events that happen, and all at once you realize now my dream can't be, you think cannot be a possibility, but you have to, like Peter, see it a different way, and ultimately, like Jacob in the Old Testament, have to see it a different way as well. When he recognized later that uh, you know, indeed, his son you know was alive, he wasn't dead. But it all begins with the enemy trying to get you to build a line. I just say this very very uh, clearly. When we say it has to die a human death, when it dies that human death, what you have to be careful of, and you have to be careful of this all the time in our Christian experience, but that is to be careful that you don't believe the lie, whatever right. the lie is. And the lie usually is something like this. Your dream's impossible. It can never happen the way you thought it was going to happen. And so you say, well, it will not happen. You start agreeing with the devil, but we forget we serve a sovereign and supernatural and powerful God who's able to resurrect dead dreams. And that's exactly what he does. And I think in Jacob's life, there's just such a beautiful illustration of that, that he, you know, uh, thought there's no way he was dead. You know, Jacob said something else. He said, I will go down to my grave in mourning. When he heard that his, his son, his beloved son had died or thought he had died, been lied to, 
He then said, I'm going to, I'm going to mourn the rest of the days of my life. That's a horrible statement. In other words, he's saying, I will never get better. I will never get over this. I will be defeated until the day I die. And that's a person that's lost passion for life. That's a person that's, you know, they're not dead. Their body is uh, existing. Their heart is beating, but they have no vision. They have no dream. They have no purpose. They're just marking time to the graveyard. And uh, certainly God doesn't have that. I have a saying I used to say for years. We have an um, older couple in our church here. Every time I'd see him out in the uh, out in the community, he'd look at me and he'd touch his pulse with his hand. And it was because I used to get up in the church all the time when I preached on dreams. And I said, I want everybody to take their two fingers, put it on their wrist. Do you have a heartbeat? And uh, I said, if you have a heartbeat, God still has a plan. Because when God That's doesn't right. have a plan, you're through going to heaven. You know, it's over with. But uh, if you've got a pulse, and of course, you know, I always make the joke, some of them I'm a little worried about whether they're going to get a pulse or not, and they look so dead uh, in their life, but that's that's the that's the whole point. If we're still alive, there's purpose, but you know, here Jacob, he's been lied to, and he believed the lie, and he said, I'm going to be defeated the rest of my life. That's kind of the marks of someone that's, you know, bought into a, or needs a resurrection uh, of the dream in their life, I should say. Well, think about King David. We were just talking about King David just before we came, come under the broadcast, King David was anointed by Samuel. Yes. You know, he wasn't even supposed to be in the room, according Mm -hmm. to his father. Mm -hmm. You know, when he had that oil poured over him, you know, he surely thought, this man's crazy. Mm -hmm. He's anointing me to be king. There's already a king of Israel. Not only that, but I'm the white boy in a dark world. Yes. And we're the light-skinned boy in a dark world, and I have completely different color hair. You know, we've talked about that before, about when it talks about... It was ruddy. Ruddy. Yeah. But that really refers to like the reddish yeah. color of the hair, possibly even of the skin. So with that being the case, we we know he most likely had a complex. Very different. He felt very out of place. And he anytime he walked down the road, I'm sure, it's kind of like me walking down Mex- in the streets of Mexico. Mm-hmm. Everyone's looking at me. Yes. You know, you don't I'm, belong. I don't, here. I don't carry myself <laughs> like a Mexican, and I definitely don't look like a local. <laughs> So with that knowledge, we can know that he probably thought, am I really going to rule a people I don't even look like? Yes. You know, I was going to interrupt you there a minute. I'm sorry, but you know, there's something that we always know, another principle about this that you're talking about, I think it's important to point out. And that is that God always gives a preview of every dream. That's right. He always shows you ahead of time of what's coming. We see it through the prophetic word. We see it through uh, just visions, dreams, the things God puts in our heart. And you see where you're going. God always lets you get a, a preview, I like to call it. Like you go to the movies and you see a preview of the upcoming attractions. God will pull back the curtain and let you see it. But what what you don't see is the time and the troubles between you and the fulfillment of that preview that God has given you. And that David did exactly that. He, you know, here he is all different. How can I be anything? But then Samuel shows up at his house one day and says, you're going to be the next king over Israel. And he's thinking, what? And then think about this. Even then when he went to the front line and ultimately slayed Goliath, and then he uh, got promoted into the king's household, Saul, and then Saul got jealous. And then he fled for 10 years in the wilderness. Oh, yeah. Do you not think in those 10 years' time that David didn't sometime wake up in the wilderness and say, Samuel uh, didn't get it right. There's no way I'm ever going to be king. Especially <laughs> whenever that day he came back from battle and all of his belongings and everyone's family and all of their wives were gone. That was and the his, lowest point of the low. Yeah, all of his men wanted to kill him, and he simply said, God, 
strengthen me. Yes. You know, and God did, and he went and won a mighty battle, and they lost nothing. But in those moments, King David, just like you and I, he had to say, am I going to hold on to the vision, the what the man of God called out in me, what yes. God has placed in me, or am I going to look at the situation and yes. what it's saying about me? Yes, think about, you know, so many biblical examples. You know, Moses, you're going to be a deliverer of your people. And then he spends 40 years in the backside of the desert. Do you think all those 40 years he didn't wake up and say, well, that didn't happen. It's not going to happen. I'm consigned to be here the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, that's why I just want to, you know, sometimes we talk about Jacob in the Bible. We talk about, you know, David. We talk about Peter in the New Testament. These illustrations were given. Sometimes oh, yeah. it's hard for you to grasp this because we tend to romanticize all those figures of, of the past that are in the biblical revelation that their experience is real for us to learn from. But sometimes when our own dream runs into something, um, I, I remember a man, it's just on my top of my head. Now he had a real belief in what he was going to do business wise in life. And, uh, he had plans for all of this and through some bad decisions on his own compounded by some bad decisions of people that he hired, he ended up being arrested and ended up facing prison time for some financial uh, problems and he went and served that time during that time you know he told me he said well everything god had promised me will never come to pass now because look at me i'm i'm now going to be an ex-con when i get out this will never happen and i had to remind him in the bible there are a lot of ex-cons that god mm-hmm. used that went to jail and uh, for diff- some for their own reasons and some for uh, uh bad decisions they made and for some for just uh injustice and uh, so it doesn't matter. But God, you know what I saw happen? I saw this gentleman uh, come through that short time he had to serve. And then I saw him begin to start a new business and I saw it growing. And then there came that day, uh, many, many years later, where all at once he said, wow, look what God has done. I would have never thought God could do this when I was in jail cell. And, you know, that's, that's one example. And maybe it's not as extreme as going to jail, Maybe it's uh, just time. Maybe, you know, some people tell me, well, I didn't finish my college, so I can't ever do this. Well, says who? Uh, well, I, you know, this didn't work out for me. I can't. I'm trying to make this connect real because I see people and they don't recognize when they face that impossibility. That ought to be a wake up call for you. When you see the impossibility of your dream, you ought to then say, wow, I'm on the right track because now it's dying that, that death. And now I've got to pray for God to resurrect it and bring it back to pass. I think sometimes we all fail to ask, why do we have to let that die? Yes. Yeah. And I think the main answer, or I guess you would say, is if you focus so much on where you're going, you'll never get there. Yes. And what do I mean by that? It's kind of like if you're driving down the road and you want to take a left to get into the fuel center, right? If you're looking you know, 100 yards, 200 yards off, and you're not paying attention to the immediate right there in front of you, you may have an accident as you turn into that fuel center. Yes. But if you glance at the future, mm-hmm. but pay attention to your present, then you can be profitable and make a safe turn where you're currently going, which eventually will lead you to where you need to be. I think that's the purpose of a preview, too, is that God gives you that out there to see what is potential, what can, what's going to happen. And then, of course, like I say, you back up and have to go through the stuff to get there, but you always have that preview in your heart and in your mind. You know, God said, I'm going to do this. God said, I'm going to do this. I believe that God has promised me this. I'm standing and believing in faith. This is going to happen. And then when the difficulties come and, and promise me, I, I mean, prom- I promise you when they come, yeah. it is so real that people 
fold because that's the time when you just say it's impossible. But see, here's what it is. You've been banking on your ability to get that done, what God's given you. And what God, and again, any God-given dream, if it's a human dream, if it's just an ambition or a plan, that's you're on your own. But if it's from God, it has to come to that place where it dies so that you know good and well how it eventually came to pass because you can always look back and say, hey, I was holding the stick, like Moses would say, but I had really nothing to do with the Red Sea parting. That was all God. I just held the stick up. Well, you're going to do. You're going to have that kind of glory given to God and that kind of humility when you finally arrived in the fulfillment of your dream because you know you went through a time when there was no way I, or myself and my flesh, could have ever made this happen. God had to step in and make that happen. I think that's obviously kind of the purpose of going through that so that we really know when we get on the other side and see this thing fulfilled that God was at work all along. I think the Lord also gives us that preview to wake us up. Yes. Saying, hey, Barry, hey, Kirk, hey, John, hey, whomsoever. You have greater potential than you. I'm on it. Sorry, I missed that. Apparently, Suri thinks that we're talking to her. Um, (laughs) But apparently, she thinks that she's part of that conversation. Um, But, you, you know, whomsoever, you know, you have greater potential than you think you have. I'm giving you a preview of where you're going. But if you stay in that preview, all yes. your focus will be on that preview. Yes. But what is the preview for? Yes. It's so that we can see who we are according to who he says we are. You know, basically, it's like it goes back to Colossians 3. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. Yes. So he's basically saying, look, I'm showing you who you are. I'm showing you what you're capable of. Now begin to see yourself from the seat of victory. Yes. So it really all comes back to your identity knowing who you are in Christ. Yes. And then yes. secondly, from identity, it comes to presence. Yes. So if you don't have identity and you don't have presence of the Lord, you're not going to be able to find the destiny God has right. for you because you'll be so focused on the preview, you'll never get there. You know, it's just like you just said. You have to have God's ability to get to his dream. You That's can't it. do it on your own because if That's it was right. ability of, of Barry or the ability yeah. of Kirk, it yes. really wasn't a very good dream. Yes. You know, but if we allow God to give his touch to where we have that little extra something that we couldn't have done on our own, at that point, wow. Yes. Then when people say, is that really Barry Clinton? Yeah. Or is that really Kirk Moose? You know, it's like with me. They might say, I knew Kirk when he was struggling, you know, going through grade school or whatever, or whatever this other thing was. Or I knew John Smith whenever he was... He was trying to get that business off the ground. He never could. And all this, how in the world does he have a multi-million dollar business? Yes. You know, because it's a God gift. God gave him the ability. He gave him that extra unction and anointing to kind of move through those times that they couldn't do on their own. Yes. And because of that, there's an extra strength, an extra wind, so to speak, that go Mm -hmm. beneath their wings that encourages them and keeps them going when they would have just given up on their own. And without that preview, you know, you would would not have that. I, I think it's uh, it's important, you know, we get to this point talking about it as well. And you say, we talk about Jacob, and there's so many more things. You could read that story in Genesis 45 and see all of the things that Jacob was responding to. I'm going to be mourning the rest of my life. And, yep. and well, there's one in particular there. You know, he had the other son, uh, Benjamin, uh, later. And so later, through all this, the story that's there about the patriarch Joseph, you know, he goes back and uh, Joseph makes him go back and get Benjamin to bring. And uh, Jacob said, no, 
everything's gone wrong in my life, you know, and I am not going to let you take my last son uh, with you because some calamity might happen. When I read that one little verse, I can't remember exactly what verse it is in Genesis 45, but I read that and he said, I'm scared. I'm going to hold on to this kid because I'm afraid of the calamity. That speaks to where I see so many people today in this virus situation and others, and it is when you let fear control your life and make all the decisions for you. And therefore, then you have shut down. You have come inward and doing that. I had um, someone in our church uh, that had uh, a health issue that they're facing, and they don't feel like it's best for them to come to church right now. And uh, I agreed 100% with them, you know, because right now with the particular thing they were facing, they don't need to, you know, do that. But here's what was happening. When I talked to this individual, it was very clear they were operating out of wisdom, not fear. You know, fear is that paralyzing emotion that will keep you from ever living life or trying or risking. And that's obviously a part of, a, of, of completing God-given dreams as well. And but, but wisdom is that sometimes you have to take a step forward, step sideways, a step back, you know, along the way uh, with embracing the wisdom of God. But when the dead dreamer is in that situation like Jacob was, he said, I'm holding on to what little I have left. And rather than with God, you have to release it all. But here's the thing. After yeah. he did all that, and there's many more things in there, there comes a time when his dream was revived. And here's how it happened. The whole story, and again, it's a very lengthy story, or one of the greatest stories in the Bible. But Joseph has been sold as a slave, and now he has arisen to be the number two power in all of Egypt. And he's storing up for a famine because, again, he was uh, uh, he was able to interpret the dreams. He had dreams. Joseph did. And he was able to interpret the dreams of the Pharaoh. And so he's doing all of this. So then he finally reveals himself to his brothers. Can you imagine what it was like in that room, Kirk, when they said, he finally said, I'm your brother Joseph. You sold into slavery all those years. And they realized the man that has the keys or whether they're going to live or die is their brother. And, uh, of course, he extends forgiveness, and I, I would say that's an essential ingredient in the life of every dreamer. You're never going to get to your dream if you don't learn how to forgive yourself and others along the way. You'll get stopped. And so he forgives them, but then he said, go back and get my father and bring him. So he loaded their wagons down with treasures, and they make their way back to Israel. They come to jo- to Jacob, and Jacob's like thinks you know he's dead, thinks everything's wrong, you know he's not living life, the dream's dead, and then they say Joseph is alive, and he goes, "No, I can't believe it." But the Bible says this: when he saw the wagons, then his heart revived in him. Oh, that's so powerful! When he saw the treasures, when he saw the reality of that. He knew something had to be going on here, and what they were saying was true. And of course, he comes in. Uh, at the end of his life. And here, here's what I just absolutely love in the stories of, 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 of Joseph and, and Jacob is that at the end of his life, think about what all Jacob has been through in his life. He ran from God. He, he was a trickster, you know, and all this. And then he got right with God. Then he loses his son that's beloved. And all of these things have gone on in his life. But you know what it says at the very end of the book of Genesis? Jacob walked into Pharaoh's presence and blessed him. Now, shepherds were an abomination to the Egyptians. Uh, but here's this old dead dreamer who now, because his dream has been revived, he's down there walking into the most powerful man on the earth at that time, earthly power of a kingdom. He goes in and he blesses him. And that's what we're all about in the world. That's what all of our dreams ultimately are about, blessing the world and, and revealing uh, God's goodness. And no matter what the dream is, that's ultimately what's behind all of it. And here this old guy is dying and, and 
dreams are all dried up and everything else. He walks in and he blesses Pharaoh, and you see the revived dream take place before your very eyes. So if we circle this thing back and we say, okay, how does someone resurrect their dead dreams? Uh, It really, to me, sounds more like you don't. (laughs) And what the reality is, is you say, God, I yield my life to you. And what do we see with Joseph? Mm -hmm. Joseph said, okay, I've just got served a big bucket of lemons, and I've been thrown in jail. Even I I didn't do anything, Mm -hmm. but I got thrown in jail. So I'm going to serve the jail master just as if he was my master, and I'm going to do whatever I can to do the best job I can. And then he gets promoted. So in every moment of Mm -hmm. his life, even when things are looking like hell on earth for him, mm-hmm. you see that God starts putting little, I guess you could say, flares up, saying, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Like with uh, when he went back, was <laughs> when the mm-hmm. wagons came. Yes. You know, yeah. and, ja- and Jacob, Jacob sees him. the wagons. Yeah. It's like God throws that flare up yes. to say, hey, yes. it's still here. If you look out yes. as you're pressing into the presence of God, and as you're spending time with him, look for the flares that he's going to send you. He's going to send you little, yes. it's almost like secret emails, you know, <laughs> little text messages yeah. to say, hey, I'm still here. I'm still working. But you've got to press into him. Stop worrying about the situation. Yeah. I would even say stop worrying about the loved one that you're pr- praying for that's kind of walked away from the faith mm-hmm. even. you still, I'm not saying don't pray for them. Yes, pray diligently mm-hmm. for them, but give them to God. Yes. Let them be in God's hands. As long as you're in worry and fear, you're actually hindering the work that God's going to do. Yeah. On, on once, real quick, just to yeah. kind of piggy on that, I know that someone personally, that their son yes. completely walked away from the faith, mm-hmm. was not living a lifestyle that was pleasing to God. They ended up saying, God, I completely yield them to you continued to pray for him, even to the point to where they passed away. They never saw it, but this young man turned his life back to the Lord, nice. completely renounced his ways that he was living, and now is completely yeah. holding on to the things of God. Yeah, so right. we can't allow the flares that God sends mm-hmm. up to be ignored. God wants to reignite our dreams. Yes. He wants to reignite the visions and the passions he's given you, the promises yes. of salvation to your loved ones. But when you and I try to do it on our own, we're ultimately going to fail. Yes. And that, that's what I was just saying. When I love the way you say that, when God gives that flare. Uh, but, you know, since this is on, on the other side of salvation, if it's on the side where you haven't been saved yet, God does yep. all the work. You know, God's the one that loved us for we loved him. Um, and we, we know that. But once you're on the other side, and we're talking about dreams of followers of Christ, of believers, then when he sends that flare up, that must reignite that faith in you once right. again that you must express because God rewards those who have faith in him. That's right. And that's where that process begins of the kindling of that little spark into a flame once again in your life of seeing that dream come to pass. I, I've been passionate about this my whole life, and, and I, I just uh, absolutely love to see people who have given up or people that feel like they're sidelined or marginalized or they're too old or they're not educated enough or they whatever excuses out there. To see God come into their life, that that faith get reignited, and it's always amazing when I talk to people, Kirk. It's always amazing. There's some dream back there that they've pushed aside. Oh, you know, I was always going to do this, or I was always going to do this. It's kind of been pushed aside, 
And like I said, when that when God begins to give them that opportunity, then that faith reunites. Then you start seeing faith at work, God rewarding, and you see the completion of, of, a, of a dream that people have in their life. Nothing brings me greater joy to see people that I've loved being a dream mate to people all my life. What is it you want to see happen, and how can I encourage you, pray for you, uh, whatever it may be. I had someone come up to me in the airport about two years ago. I didn't even know who this individual was. They said, many years ago, I heard you preach about dreams. And I went home, and my wife and I made a plan for me to quit my job and then to start this construction company that we had long one day. And he said, now I employ like 60 people, and I have this much annual revenue and all this. And he said, thank you so much for being so fat. That blesses me to see that happen. It blessed me to hear from you. I know Kirk and I both would love to hear from you. And oh, yeah. be clinging at trophylakes.org is my email address. That's the best way to write me and get a hold of me. And, of course, uh, Kirk at uh, mooseministriesinc.com. I have opportunities on there. You can reach out to him as well. We'd love to hear about your dreams. Love to hear uh, ways I can pray for you and encourage you uh, in doing that as well. I love to see people uh, resurrect dead dreams. I love to see oh, that yes. with all my heart. Hey, and don't forget to check us out Saturday at 7 p.m. We post it both on the Moose Ministries Inc. site and also at the Trophy Lakes uh, site on Facebook as well. So you'll be able to watch the streams from either one. We put the YouTube stream on both of those two pages. And guys, we do appreciate you joining us. God bless you. God bless.